0: Hey, Cracked fans, if you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So... How can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, LuckyRacket.com. That's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com. And use our promo code, Cracked15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts. 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's LuckyRacket.com. The promo code is Cracked15. the mini break, your daily the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, August 25th. Before we get to any of the action in Winston-Salem, in Cleveland, in Chicago, I want to do one thing on a personal note, and I try to avoid doing this as frequently as possible because I don't want this podcast to turn into a place where I just give individual shout-outs to friends or people I know that listen to the show. I don't want to take advantage of your listeners' time. You come here to hear updates on the latest storylines, results, and controversies in the tennis world. And as always, each and every day, there's a ton of tennis to talk about, but... I hope you will allow me this one personal indulgence as Wednesday, August 25th, happens to be the birthday of the biggest fan of our Crack Rackets podcast. She's listened to every episode we've produced from the SoundCloud days all the way through here to the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. She is my biggest fan, the person this podcast would not exist without. And that, of course, is my loving mother, Laura Gruskin now. I, I There's nothing materially I can provide my mother at this point that she can't get for herself. She's killed it in life. And you can't be me. You can't do something like this without the support of loving parents. And yes, dad, obviously, because he'll hear this. This will be the only time he listens to the podcast and be like, well, why don't you give me a shout out? And of course I feel exactly the same way about him. You can't be someone who – Wants to be creative in life and wants to explore a passion and spends their life spending way too much time diving into the sporting world, diving into all things tennis, spending my life playing tennis, the support it requires. Anyone who listens to this podcast likely plays it or is a parent of someone who plays it. You know the final financial commitment that takes. And you know, throughout my life, I never had to worry about those things because for my parents, if I was like, hey, I want to do this thing, it's tennis related. It was always a, yeah, of course, go do it. And some of you you may not know, on my, my senior year of high school, we had uh, a kid on my team named Sven Kranz, who originally from Germany but he moved to back to Michigan and his parents had to move for work. My parents were like, please, Sven's finishing his senior year living at our house. My older brother had moved out to college and we had an open room. So it was a no-brainer for them. They just supported me through each and every stage of life and, again – The moment I knew it was time to do Crack Rackets full-time was when my mom was saying it all the time. Of course, Alex, pursue this. Alex, pursue this. Alex, pursue this. When I went to my dad and he was like, Alex, yeah, like you should probably do this. That's when I was like, oh, man, maybe I should do this full-time. But without the support from the beginning from my mother, none of this would have happened. So Westhoff, give me all of the happy birthday sound effects, please. Of course, a huge – Loving happy birthday to my mom, Laura Gruskin. Any shout-outs you want to give to her, of course, I will pass along. But uh, obviously, again, to end the personal indulgence, mother, I love you very much. I hope you enjoyed listening to this. Hopefully, I didn't embarrass you too much. I stayed away from the embarrassing moments. I didn't do a Laura Gruskin impression. Uh, That's my birthday gift to you as well. But happy birthday, obviously, to you. Thank you for all the support. I love you very much. With all of that said, there's a lot of tennis. Between now and the start of the 2021 US Open, of course, we've got qualifying going on in New York. We're going to save the conversation on that until that action wraps up. Simply put, there's too many results. If I tried to start covering one day, it would just it would turn into a nightmare. So we're going to wait until we figure out who qualifies. We're going to bring on the two experts in all things at that level, David Gertler and Damian Koost, onto the show later in the week to talk about that. But in the meantime, we've got three events across the ATP and WTA tours. We've got the the action in Winston Salem on the men's side. The action in Cleveland in Chicago on the women's side. If you turn into the morning shift of matches, you'll hear our friend Gil Gross uh, commentating each and every match, taking you around the country through all of these matches. Of course, he joins us on Thursday's Great Shot Podcast to break down the top five men's contenders entering uh, the 2021 U.S. Open. And by the way, all of our preview content of the 2021 U.S. Open on the Great Shot Podcast feed. Thus far, we. We've talked men's dark horses. We've talked top contenders on the men's and women's side, David Kane Jeff Sackman, and Gil Gross joining us for those conversations so you can find all of them on the Great Shot podcast feed. You can find all of our content, of course, on our website, crackrackets.com. But what I want to do today, talk through the events that we have going on this week, talk about why they matter in the scheme of what we're seeing happening at large in the tennis world. But of course, before we get into any of that, just a reminder that these podcasts are made possible day- in day out because of the support we get from all of you because of the support we get from our crack rackets patreon family and of course because of the support we get from our friends over at tennis point you all know the deal best equipment in the business at the best prices you go to tennis-point.com you use our promo code cr15 not only will you get 15% off your order you'll get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75 best of all a free can of wilson extra duty tennis balls again that's tennis dash point the symbol not the spelling tennis dash point.com the promo code is cr15 with all of that said quickly before we get into any individual results why do these events matter Let's just look back through tennis history, whether it's Yannick Sinner winning an ATP title, I think it was the week before the Australian Open this season, whether it was Sebastian Corda winning a title the week before the French Open this season, whether it was a couple of years ago, Hubie Hercats winning this Winston-Salem title before the US Open. Does it often correspond to an immediate jump at that Grand Slam that starts two days later? No. But what it does indicate are young players making the most of the opportunity to go play events like these and taking needed progressions in their young careers. That's what these tournaments provide. Look, last week in Chicago, Clara Tawson earns another WTA career, uh, title number two in her career. uh, Obviously, that was a big step forward for her. And just to get these match repetitions under her belt, that's what matters more for the majority of these young players than anything else because. Look, there are going to be plenty of Grand Slams. There are 20-plus Grand Slams left in the careers for so many of these players under the age, honestly, of 24, given the extended primes for so many of these players in their careers. But, I mean— there are limited opportunities to just have draws where you can make runs, play three, four matches, see how your body holds up playing those matches against consistent top 100 opponents. And of course, the flip side for those players on the precipice of falling out of the top 100 or on that bubble of entering the top 100, what these weeks provide are opportunities to compete at a level above where you're normally able to compete, to get a shot, to get some serious points under your belt that will allow you to sustain a top 100 rank and compete At the ATP level, moving into the fall and moving into the start of next year. And then, of course, if you do enter the top 100, solidifying yourself a spot in the 2021 Australian Open, because, of course, getting that Grand Slam paycheck, getting into the main draws of slams, that's what pays the bills in professional tennis. And so, yes. I can understand why weeks like this are written off, particularly when so many of the biggest names in tennis aren't playing. But this week matters from a results standpoint. That's why we're talking about it here today on the Mini Break Podcast. And with all of that said, let's start with Tennis in the Land. WTA event in Cleveland. They drew a really impressive field. Of course, every WTA field at this point is impressive, just given the depth right now in women's tennis. It's truly incredible when you look at the field line up and we'd have reached uh, the quarterfinal round but you look at the round of 16 matches we saw unfold today you had a win uh, from Annette Conteve your number two seed 6363 she played Caroline Garcia in the round of 16 of this event, of course, you also saw a win from Katerina Sinyakova 0-0. O o. You saw Shui uh, Zhang, Bethany Max-Sands right now battling. Rain, of course, has plagued Wednesday's play in Cleveland. But you look at where, where we're at right now in the tournament quarterfinal field starting to shape up. You had Daria Kasakina. Two tricky uh, victories for her early in her Cleveland campaign. She knocked off talented youngster Kaya Yuvan in her first round of 32 match. She beats Katie McNally, the hometown favorite, I suppose, in three sets here uh, to advance to the quarterfinals. Really enjoy Kasekina's game as an outlier compared to the rest of this WTA generation. So many of their games predicated on power, just out hitting, blasting their opponents off the court. And of course, that top speed can beat Kasekina. But look, she's run a couple titles uh, this season for a reason. You look for Daria Kasekina, perhaps most impressive. She's 15th in the race to the year-end finals. Kasekina currently sitting at number 27 overall in the WTA rankings. She's just one of the most impressive athletes, one of the most fluid athletes right now in the women's game, certainly one of the best movers. Her ability to hit the ball into the outer thirds, put action on that ball. You know, she has a very live forehand, not the most pace, although she can hit it flat down the line with pace, but her rally ball forehand, a lot of topspin on that shot, can hit the slice backhand really well where she knifes it low, can also hit through the topspin backhand, hit it short angle, comfortable vollier. Again, is a sneaky sort of Tommy Paul-like pop, athlete where that sneaky plus pop can appear from point to point it's just not it's not a consistent shot by shot basis but Look, Daria Kasikina. You look at the 2021 overall Elo. She's currently, uh, I believe, Kasikina now at 25th overall in terms of Elo. You look at her in terms of wins leader here this season. Kasikina, uh currently sitting at the number 13th uh, overall in wins. She's got or tied for 12th, excuse me, with 29. She's had an excellent season. And, you know, she is someone who, trying to get back, solidify her spot in the top 30 moving forward, not have to worry about, you know, playing as many events as she has this season because you look at, again, I know there's 29 wins but 15 losses. She's played 44 matches. That's in the top 20 in terms of top 15 total matches played this season. She's done that. She's solidified her spot in the top 30, which is really hard to do given the parity we see right now in women's tennis and as someone who was number 10 in the world and had fallen out of the top 50, it's where she belongs. So unequivocal step forward, again, this is someone for whom this sort of scheduling, this sort of opportunity is super beneficial because she's going to have plenty of opportunities to play Grand Slams and she's made a Grand Slam quarterfinal. If she doesn't do that here, it's okay at the U.S. Open Good wins from her over youngsters, talented youngsters. Two more. Again, they're not the headliners like Goff or Kennan or – you know, I suppose Osaka, I don't know if she's a youngster at this point, but Andrescu, but I mean, McNally, Yvonne, both really, really good. Uh, but Kazakina, better than both. She advances to the quarterfinals where now she's going to play Magda Lynette, who knocks off 16 year old Linda Fruvertova, number six junior in the world, 7664. I actually talk about Fruvertova with Gil Gross, so I won't repeat myself here, but that's a good win for Lynette. You look at the other quarterfinal on the top half Sasnovich, a three set win. Over Potarovska, she's now gonna take on Arena Camilla Bergu. You look at the bottom half of the draw, Saribas Tormo gonna to play the winner of Maddox San Zang, and then it's Sinyakova taking on Annette Conteve. That's where things stand at the event in Cleveland. I do also want to say beautiful, beautiful stadium court in Cleveland I'm rooting for this event I'm hoping to get over there at some point during this week but uh again a shout out to the top-notch management team Sam Duvall Kyle Ross all they have done uh to put in the effort put in the resources to bring this sort of event because it's a fantastic field and a lot of interesting players again Conteve, Ceribes, Tormo, uh and I think Casa all players absolutely can make second week's quarterfinals at the U.S. Open if draws and their level break, things break correctly. So it uh, should be a really fun home stretch here in Cleveland. Of course, that is WTA event number one of two in the Midwest. Shout out to Midwest Tennis here uh, this week on the WTA Tour. Of course, the other event, part two of the events happening in Chicago. You look at where we are at in the draw, rounding in to the quarterfinal round again. Names still alive in this event. A lot of talent on the board. You look at the players, the quarterfinals we have set thus far. Number one seed, Alina Svitolina. Good win over Fiona Farrow. Good, tricky win over Clara Burrell, who won that first set. Clara Burrell, you catch her, the young French woman on the right day. So much firepower. Another youngster to add into the mix, but Svitolina wins that second set, 6-1, gets the retirement up 2-0 in the third set. She then knocks off Farrow, 4-4. She's now going to take on Kiki Do You Love Me Mudenevich. 3-2 winner over Francoise Abanda. Of course, we know when Mudenevich is clicking her power tennis, she was top 10. She can hang in that realm, so that's a fun test for Svitolina, who definitely needs the matches, and fitness is never an issue for her. So I I I like this decision to get some confidence, get some wins under her belt, heading into to New York, of course. Bottom half of that draw, you've got Martin Sova, a three-set winner over Sue C. Likely going to take on Rebecca Pedersen, who's up a set and a break as I'm recording this over Victoria Gulebik, but either way, that should be a fun one. Always talented, always dangerous Marta Kostyuk. If she wins a title in Chicago, I don't think fitness is an issue for the young Ukrainian. I would be not want any part of her early in week one in New York. She takes out Kaya Kanepi, the big hitting Kanepi, two and three today. Going to take on Gracheva tomorrow on the other half of that bottom half quarterfinal. Von Drusova getting some confidence. She takes out Van Utvenik. She's going to take on Alize Kornay now. Uh, again, Von Drusova. Kostiuk, I think, is a, is going to be a popular dark horse pick. We all know what Svitolina is capable of. Courtney. all of these players are capable of making second-week runs or making it to the second week, making first-week runs, I suppose, in New York. Now, are any of them going to threaten for the title? Probably not. I would say of all the players in Cleveland or Chicago, Contave. And honestly, Kostiuk would be the two names. Maybe Kasekina you throw in there as well, the three names I would circle to go furthest. Maybe – I honestly think Kostiuk has the highest upside of all of them. Svitolina, of course, in that mix as well. She belongs in that second-week conversation. But, you know, again, all those players looking for matches, looking for confidence heading into New York. They've certainly gotten here a couple wins under their belt on the WTA side. That's the actioning happen that's the action happening in Cleveland in Chicago. Let's quickly flip gears now to Winston Salem. Big week for two players in particular thus far. Emil Roussevori, or Emil Roussevori, as I learned how to properly pronounce. You can go hear my conversation with him on the Cracked Interviews podcast. He gets big wins over Sasha Bublik and Benoit Paire to advance to the quarterfinals. Got another big result after getting one earlier. In this hardcourt season uh, for Roussevori, I believe it was in Atlanta that he made the semifinals there, beating Nori, beating Pear, beating Mackie McDonald before getting knocked out in three sets by Nakashima. You look for Emil Roussevori here in this 2021 season, a season that has seen him play uh, exclusively—excuse me, all but once, but it was a first-round loss, so we're going to throw it out—exclusively at the ATP level 22-18 22 and 18 overall. Now, you look at his hardcourt splits 19 and 11 on hardcourt, 63% win percentage. That is a step forward for Emil Roussevori, who now, with this quarterfinal, you look for him in the rankings. He currently, uh, with the result, moves up to number 71. That's two off of his career high of number 69. You look for him now in the race to the year end finals, number 74. Yeah it's about right when you're winning 63% or what is it excuse me 60 yeah 3% of your hard court matches but you know he's 3 and 8 everywhere else when you're a one surface specialist right now which is again I'm not saying for his career because we did a full next gen ATP 2.0 podcast on him i think his power translate across surfaces the way he competes the discipline the steadiness he is going to have success throughout his career He's been a top 75 guy, top 50, maybe even top 30 flirting with on hard courts, but you have to do it on all three surfaces if you want to sustain a top 30 ranking, certainly. With his success, he couldn't sneak around the top 50 with uh, a a larger sample size of hard court matches, but... Top 75 is where he belongs. He's got weapons to be in the top 50. Certainly, he knows this is an important stretch of his season, and again, we talked to him on the Crack Interviews podcast, but these are two big wins, and you look for him. He won about 80% of his matches on the week—80% of his first serve points, excuse me, on the week thus far, wins over Kudla, Bublik, and Benoit Paire. When he's able to play on his front foot and dictate, he's got the plus-one power. He's got the weapons to succeed on the ATP Tour, play on his terms. Big week for him— Another good week for Francis Tiafoe. That was a big win, 7-6-6-3 over Andy Murray. And just you look for him, and I bring this up with Gil in the podcast again, and I'm going to talk about it when we talk American men's tennis with Chris Otto in our U.S. Open preview series. 21 events played, only six first-round losses. That's a degree of consistency we had not seen from Francis Tiafoe early in his career in ATP-level matches. He shows that consistency now he's damn good. He's a top 50 player. He has done it across surfaces, the best of five format, brings out his best tennis, his forehand. Now, it's no longer a liability as a return. It's not exceptional, but if you give him time, he will unload on the forehand. It is a weapon, and his backhand remains as solid as ever. He's gotten more disciplined about when to implement his feel when to sneak forward play with slice of course sometimes that sneaks out particularly in the matches on a less big stage but when you have a crowd like that murray match that brings out francis's best tennis he's got a tricky one tonight but a fun match certainly against Diego montiero you look at the bottom half of the draw he's the favorite Herbert, Giron, Alcaraz, Fucevic, Purcell, Emer, Tiafo, Montiero. Tiafo's done the best on hard courts of all of those guys this season, except for maybe Fucevic, but still, he's got an opportunity here make a big run and then I don't worry about him from a fitness standpoint entering New York so I think this could be another big confidence boosting moment for Francis Tiafo here in Winston-Salem of course, you look at the results we've seen thus far in the round of 16, I mentioned Rusevori, good week for Ilya Vashka, down a set and 4-1 to Chilich, wins that match knocks off Struff 2-1 to reach the quarterfinals, big quarterfinal for Richard Gasquet wins his first match, 6-6 six six over Jarosimov, now 4-6 over Dan Evans, Carino boost the Rocket and Roland. Very fun match. First round, three sets over Sinwoo Kwon. That had more to do with Kwon's level. I would want no part of him. He's another guy who belongs in the top 75. I, it's kind of same path, but different way of getting there for Kwon and Rusevori. Kwon is really solid on all three surfaces, not exceptional on any of them. Rusevori might be exceptional on hard courts, struggles on the others, but Quan belongs in the top 100, certainly. That was a fun match. Corino Busta into the quarterfinals like he so frequently does – that's where we're at right now. I'm recording this around 7.30 here on Wednesday night, so a couple more matches to go. We'll talk about them in a more in the morning. Expect an early mini-break tomorrow. Uh, expect, hopefully, another from the presser hoping to speak with Marcos Girón if he wins his match today. Maybe get some Francis Tiafo conversations in as well. But be on the lookout for these mini-breaks day in, day out here. As, again, this action matters as we head towards the final Grand Slam of the year, the 2021 U.S. Open, which we will be previewing extensively. Extensively on our Great Shot podcast over the week. We've already had David Kane, Jeff Sackman, Gilgrove scheduled for Thursday, Chris Otto and Gertler on Friday. Tumani Cariel going to be in the mix as well. Jamie McDonald's for the draw previews. We'll cover every aspect. Uh, Damian Koost and David Gertler to recap qualifying as well so don't worry if you miss any of the matches you can catch up with it all here at Crack Rackets of course find all the content on our website CrackRackets.com like rate subscribe review to this podcast the Great Shot Podcast Correct Interviews Podcast all of our Crack Rackets shows if you need the more immediate updates Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube we are at Crack Rackets you want to message me directly I am at Great Shot Pod a shout out as always to our super producers Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff for the a editing job they do day in day out a shout out as well to our friends over at tennis point remember it's tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 one last time of course a happy birthday to my mom but with all of that said for our super producers fliegner and westoff our friends at tennis point from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we'll see you all tomorrow thanks everyone